welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Kevin Decker. And I'm Tony Flynn. Today's episode, which if you count, and I hope you count because we count, we count for something, is season 10, episode 8. And this is a disturbing title, but it's one that you should prepare your children for. Crush the Wobblies, my sweetheart. Kevin, fill us in on the horrifying background of this excellent title. Well, you know, many great, great, great songs of the West emerged in the 1920s and 1930s as correlate of union organizing, mines and railroad building and everything at the time. And and this was one that kind of slipped in under the radar, mainly because radar hadn't been invented yet. And we wanted to call people's attention to Crush the Wobblies, My Sweetheart. We will be performing it. At some point soon, our wonderful cast member and singer, Rennie Yarrow, will be doing a rendering of Crush the Wobblies, My Sweetheart. Tears will be jerked. But we also have one of the, we like to think of her as the third of the two men in charge, (laughs) Ann Porter, writer, artist, performer. Welcome to season 10, the self-congratulatory season. Thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate the warm welcome. But, Ann, so we've been wondering what sketch that you write, and you write a lot of ongoing series like Spot the Sales Dog. Which of your series are you looking to get into most here in season 10? Well, Kevin, it's kind of hard to say. Try. Try? Yeah, try. Make an effort. Yeah. (laughs) Exert yourself. So, for example, I might pretend to be you and I might say, well, what about heaving bosoms? Uh, I know. I've I've fallen off the bosom bandwagon, as Mm -hmm. it were. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because we did have casting issues that have since resolved. And gosh, I'd like to go back and revisit the 19th century. You Mm -hmm. know, the, the Yorkshire Moors and that bleak sensibility. Um, yeah, right. before we had vaccines and before, people just right. died. Exactly. People yeah. just died. The The graveyards were full of all kinds of people. That, and there was really no deodorant at the time, right? Well, so, that, I mean, although people dressed up the, all fancy. Right, yeah. right. Thus the full graveyards. Yes. It's hard well, to know whether it was the deodorants or the vaccines. <laughs> this is how I know that Bridgerton is fictional. It, it doesn't map onto anything you've said at this point in time. Bridgerton's uh, so, fictional? Yeah, Bridgerton's actually fictional. That comes yeah. as surprise to me. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Kind of a world perhaps that should have been and may one day be as soon as never happens. Right. But I'd also like you to continue, Anne, with Bad Nancy Drew. Bad Nancy Drew, that's always a good time. And you revealed something to us earlier about new alliance being made between sales dog Spot and um, Melania. Yeah, that's right. I'm developing a vision of Sales Dog Spot doing some digging in Melania's garden. Mm -hmm. What will be found? You know, Melania is famous for digging in gardens. I bet. If she uh, dug deep enough, she'd find Jeff Sessions. (laughs) (laughs) And then she could bury him again. (laughs) Again, Please. (laughs) Well, the big question now, though, is what do we have coming up on today's episode? We're going to start off with a sketch that highlights what our friends across the pond in Europe do so well, complain. The European Complainers Society is made up of some of your favorite existentialist and Belgian characters from the history of Men in Charge, who all come together to debate the question, what is the secret power of American corn? It is powerful, and you can see it on pretty much all American bodies. Right around the middle, usually. And after that, we have a return to 
Pox and Phlegm, the two white guys in the blonde. And today, they are interviewing Marjorie Taylor Greene, who incidentally is played by Anne. Yeah. Anne, how do you get into the character and the voice, and do not imitate it here, <laughs> of um, Marjorie Taylor Greene? How do you channel Marjorie Taylor yes. Greene? I just think spiteful thoughts. <laughs> And she delivers many of her lines through the men in charge mail slot. That helps with the authenticity, I believe. Because well, she's not allowed to get close enough <laughs> to assault right. people That's as right. she'd like to. Yeah, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, as you'll see from today's episode, knows a lot about the Holocaust for reasons that have little to do with historical acumen and more with, I don't know, actual everyday practice? Something General like attitude? That. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And finally, we have a terrifying but hilarious one from you, Kevin. Our local reporter, Jeff Schmaltz, is visiting Lower Heights' newest restaurant, Salvador Dali's Taqueria of Dread. And it'll be a feast for the eyes, ears, and the skin of Dadaist humor, which is something we don't get quite enough of here. On Not Manage. nearly enough. Every month, at a secret location somewhere in the last Howard Johnson's motel in Cincinnati, USA, the members of an elite international organization convene from remote corners of the state of Ohio to debate and discuss the most crucial contemporary problems facing the rest of the world. Of course, the problems they discuss are always the various and sundry new threats posed by the United States of America. Yes. The USA, a rogue state few have heard of, but many have downloaded porn from. Call to order! Call to order! Please, let's have a man call this meeting to order. That'll show the patriarchy. He is Didier Vandage, the thin, moist-lipped host of the radio program Disgruntled Belgian Talk Radio, which broadcasts out of Cincinnati, USA. Simply everyone in Cincinnati, USA, is trying to get out of that dreary little town. She is Adrian Zlotti, bohemian architect, creator of installation art known and loved across the eastern upper Midwest, such as Pretty Pretty Princess, Fort Knox, and Cedar and Shale, number 129 I am frankly disgruntled that Adrian Zlotti received a more positive introduction than myself. Down with all forms of misrecognition. Up with Dippin' Dots, the ice cream of the future. And perhaps that future is today? They are, respectively, the unwashed existentialist Jacques de temps en temps, interim vice president of angst assessment at the University of Tampa, and Hans Flueger, professor of critical Disney studies at Liberty University, a faculty position he serves in only ironically. We expect very little respect from you, announcer, thrall as you are to big public radio. I'll ignore that. Together, they are the European Complainers Society. Today's topic for the European Complainer Society is what are the secret powers of American corn? It is true. As a wholly new world vegetable, this corn of which we now speak puts all of Europe at a disadvantage. 
It knows us, but we know very little of it. Bah! Who gave you the authority to choose this month's topic, Vondage? Au contraire, Adrian Zloty. The topic has been forced upon us by all manner of recent news. Indeed. Because of the need to broadcast this dire news 24-7, my own radio program, Disgruntled Belgian Talk Radio, has been dislodged from the broadcast slot that I, Didier Vondage, worked many years to secure. You are no longer in your Thursdays at 4 a.m. slot, Didier? You have my sympathies. Yes, simply browse these American newspapers. USA Today? This is like sickly sweet toffee for the mind. Sacre bleu! Is this so-called sports reporting written by 16-year-old girls who are not able to secure a job at Tiger Beat magazine? Please do not even bring up the automotive reviews section. Have any of you read the obituaries? This is where I get some of my best ideas for installation art. I hear this obit section of the newspaper is very similar to the comics page back home in Waldo vom Fens, Germany. Please, let us come back to the subject matter at hand. In only three hours, I have a date with Victoria, an American Eurotrash young woman. I must not be late. Adrian Zlotti, look at these headlines. American president says, Corn is big and beautiful. Pah! He will build another wall to protect his corn. And to protect that wall, another wall around it. Another headline. Eating corn-based snack products shown to reduce chances of catching swine flu. As we all know, the swine flu was vital in ending World War II which in France we proudly call the Great Retreat. Ah, yes. But for that headline, the subheadline is also important to read. For Hastings Institute's test group of Americans eating only corn-based snacks, risk of imminent heart attack makes eventual contraction of swine flu 75% less likely. These eaters are removing themselves from the gene pool and thus summing their nose at the cultural imperialism of science. They're intéressant. None of these hoax-like stories about the swine flu detracts from the fact they will not report. For hundreds of years, American corn has been making its people taller, plumper. More irascible. And of course... It has drastically increased the chances of using the word socialism in casual conversation without knowing at all what it means. <gasps> oh. We must do something to stop this insanity. And without wavering, I am renting a pale mauve bow tie and cummerbund from Mr. Tux for my date with Victoria. And it must be picked up soon. Well, it is very clear we are not going to stop this threat with so-called science. Wait, Hans. What if... Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous... Whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light? No, no. This problem calls for a very special piece of installation art. I will design and execute it myself. It will be... It will be the crowning triumph of my already overcrowned career. Wait. Adrian Zlotti. Do my Belgian ears, so much like wilted sardines hanging from my head, deceive me? How will you solve the problem of American corn with art? 
And that's all the time we have today for European Complainers Society. Join us next time when we'll hear Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Wait, don't end the sketch yet. I should at least get a chance to describe this new installation, which will spray a very special corn-based product called Icing over Americans making their annual Hajj to the secret seat of their government. You mean their Mecca on the Potomac? Washington, D.C.? where they go to unreflectively worship their Lincoln, their Washington, and their James K. Polk? I have heard that it is a swamp. No, that swamp has been completely cleared up by now. Oh, my idea staggers me with its brilliance. A great obelisk I would build on top of an existing obelisk. Of course, to sprinkle the Tree of Liberty with Zine, the principal protein in corn. Why should grocery supermarkets have a monopoly on icing made by global protein products to spray carrots, celery, broccoli, and pre-cut potato products to retard dehydration and oxidation? Is it a rhetorical question, or...? You will spray it on the open-carrying Americans? And just like their overly fecund vegetables, they too will appear fresher than they really are. Ausgezeichnet! Hurrah! The Americans will be hoist by their own corn petard. And just in time for me to pick up my boutonniere for my date at the nearby Bilkengo convenience store. Okay. Are you done with the sketch now? Yeah, I think so. Because I still don't understand how making Americans appear fresher than they really are is a kind of revenge. Oh, you will understand, announcer. You will. <sighs> Tune in next time for the European Complainers Society. Men in charge, you know you're on the radio now, right? fellow Americans, and welcome to Pox News's Pox and Phlegm. I'm your anchor, Jeff White, here with our special White House correspondent, Bobby Van Illa, and our blonde, Blanche Whitney. Later in our show today, we'll be talking to one of America's greatest lady political stars. No, not faded star Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney with her narcissistic relationship to the truth, as some of us prefer not to see it. And so we've recognized her for the pariah it suits us for her to be. Instead, we'll be talking to the spluttering paranoid rage machine herself, Marjorie Taylor Greene, representing, in her way, Georgia's 11th District. But before we talk to Mad Marjorie, let's turn it over to Bobby here for his report on the Oh My God, What's Next doings at the White House. Thanks, Jeff. And thank you, Blanche, for just killing it in that shimmering sheath-like dress that our elderly white network execs have seen fit to clothe you in. Wait, why haven't you tased me yet? Usually when I'm only halfway through my first sentence of introductory sweaty leering, you've zapped me with your lady taser. What's wrong? What? Were you saying something, Bobby? I've started just tuning you out when you start talking. Well, that's just rude and hurtful. Oh, sorry, Bobby. Please go ahead. What were you saying? 
I was just saying you could fry an egg on that dress. It's so hot. Ow! That, that's really hurtful, too. Oh, oh you two. <laughs> well, now that your on-air flirting session is over... Ow! 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 That was not collegial at all, Blanche. What did I say? Oh, never mind. I suppose with you women, it doesn't matter what we... Ow! Ow! Okay, okay. It wasn't on-air flirting banter between you two. Bobby was doing something wrong and bad, right? Very good, Jeff. I don't know why this is always so hard. Anyway, Bobby, what's Joe Biden up to now? Oh, yeah. Well, Jeff, the... Democrats' president has thrown the nation, perhaps the entire world, into crisis. What, what exactly is he up to, Bobby? He's chumming up to EU nations again, restoring alliances, as he likes to say, strengthening NATO. In other words, becoming a plaything of European socialists, a tool for them to bat around like, well, something being batted around. I don't understand your analogy, Blanche. Can you bat around a tool? My hand remains on the taser, Bobby. What's next? Removing tariffs? Introducing light rail to American cities? Making man-marines wear skirts? The man-marines wearing skirts was last week's crisis, Jeff. I think we should stay focused on today's outrages from the Biden administration. Oh, Blanche is right, Jeff. All eyes are on the crisis in Europe now. Perhaps most alarming is that Biden is chip, chip, chipping away at our relationship with Putin, a relationship the previous administration worked so hard to cultivate. Setting the American intelligence apparatus against our Russian friends is deeply alarming. What's next? Spying on North Korea? Is Biden out of his mind? Hello? Hello? This is Marjorie Taylor Green. I'm at the Pox and Flam mail slot. Is it time for me yet? Bobby, Blanche, does our studio even have a mail slot? Go find out. I'm not sure where I am now. This is like the Holocaust. It's Marjorie Taylor Green, all right, but it turns out our studio doesn't have a mail slot. She's just sitting on the floor shouting into a cardboard box she found. I suppose we might as well start the interview then. Marjorie Taylor Green, why don't you put down your cardboard box and come on over here for your pox and phlegm interview? Did you hear how I said something was like the Holocaust? We heard something, Marjorie Taylor Greene, but it was lost in the cardboard box. What was like the Holocaust? A lot of things are like the Holocaust. Like having to shout through a mail slot rather than being able to actually assault a colleague directly. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, I'm, I'm sure that is like the Holocaust, but how exactly? It's the same because it's our freedoms being taken away from us. Like if you assault someone, but they make you wear a mask. You mean like when you're mugging someone and you want to keep your identity a secret? 
I think we're getting off topic here, Bobby. Marjorie Taylor Greene, since the start of this session of Congress, you've been stripped of committee assignments because of your various threats and conspiracy theories that, frankly, are too strange even for us to spread on Fox and Phlegm. Well, that's something else that's like the Holocaust. Thanks for reminding me. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think what Jeff is getting at is this. How can you properly represent your district and serve the American people without being on committees to propose new legislation? So then also, what in the world do you do with your spare time? Well, lots of things. I shout through mail slots. Compare stuff to the Holocaust. I keep busy. Oh, and I try to assault people. And, and... I make things up and go on the news about it. Marjorie Taylor Greene, this question remains. Doesn't your status as a professional loudmouth undercut your credibility as a would-be policymaker? Well, Blanche, would you like me to compare that question to the Holocaust? Because I am this close to doing it, I swear. No, no, please don't, Marjorie Taylor Greene. We just have one more question, and I assure you it's not vulnerable to a Holocaust comparison attack. As you know, former general and convicted felon Michael Flynn... That's convicted felon patriot. Sure. Anyway, he recently suggested that we should have a Myanmar-style coup in this country. Do you agree? You bet I do. How else can we avoid election fraud? I hadn't thought of it that way, Marjorie Taylor Greene, but no elections, no threat of fraud. You may be on to something. Aw, thanks, Bobby. You know, when you don't have any committee assignments, you have a lot of time on your hands to think up stuff like this. Well, that's all the time we have now for Pox and Phlegm. Tune in again next time when we'll ask former Vice President Mike Pence why he now thinks the death threats against him on January 6th were somehow a good idea. Race fans, hot rodders, this is your favorite radio sidekick, Jeff Schmaltz, here to tell you about Lower Heights' latest culinary extravaganza, Yes, it's Salvador Dali's Taqueria of Dread. This is going to be the only place in town where you can order tacos dressed with innovative toppings like angsty carnitas, as well as lengua de man ray. I'm here with head chef Hannah Hoch. Hannah, welcome to Lower Heights, and let's tell the listeners why they should visit this new taqueria. Well, for one thing, it is the only ironic taqueria in the village, and the only one that has the imprimatur of the master himself, Dali. I'm sure we'll get around to explaining that later, but how about sharing with us a little about how you got into this venture? Yes, well, as founder of the movement Tristan Zara claimed, Dara doubts everything. He rejected all social conservatism, which is why the male artists asked me and my fellow woman artiste, Ella bergman Michel to bring them sandwiches, beer, and coffee while they worked. Ouch. I hope that wasn't a reflection on the quality of your own work. No, it was pure male chauvinism. Fools! Well, I showed them. All the male Dadaists are moldering in their grave, and here I am, with the only Dada Takaria. Are there many famous works of art on display in the restaurant? Yes, we feature some of mine, and others by Ella, 
Hans Arp, Louis Aragon, and of course our famous Dali pictures. However, all of the art is permanently covered by burlap sacks to obscure the original intention of the artistes. Do you have a children's menu? Yes, but the child has to reach into this dark hole labeled Beware the Leopard in order to read one. Would I be okay reaching in there? Oh, you will find out. Will I? Oh, yes. We will see when you do it. Try it. Okay. A reminder that you're alive. But see, there's a coloring page and an unsolvable maze for the children. When the parents are drawn into discussion about the maze, the average family spirals into argument and dismay. So what would you say the Taqueria's biggest selling point has been since your grand opening? I would say probably this. Wow. My childhood memories of birthday parties at Showbiz Pizza Palace are rolling over in their grave. A complete band of animatronic Dadaists. Is that Max Ernst playing the bass? Yes, he's backed up by George Grosch on drums, Celine Arnault on lead guitar, and of course, the lead singer is... Salvador Dali himself! Give a little tug on one of his mustachios. <laughs> Honestly, I find them a little scary. Here, I'll do it. Thanks. I'm sure that's enough to scar me for life. For parties, Salvador Dali and the Rock of Fire Explosion sing the Happy Birthday song and unexpectedly vomit glitter. Ah. So, here we come to the really difficult question. I would say the elephant in the room, but you've already got one of those. Surely with most African wildlife poaching now illegal, you're not supposed to have a taxidermied elephant in here. Elephants are extremely intelligent, and their trunks are nimble. This one shot itself in a fit of despair. He's displayed here as a monument to futility. Uh, or futurity. I can never remember which. And he blocks the view of the animatronics on stage to most of the room. Well, the metaphorical elephant in the room is the question that's surely on every listener's mind. Why a taqueria of dread? <laughs> well... Why anything? Please, it's a simple question and may help you add another star in the Michelin Guide. When one enters a conventional taqueria, the question on one's mind is, what shall I eat? Salvador Dali's taqueria of dread has been designed in a carefully frivolous way to encourage instead the question, what will become of me? Or, in rare instances, and primarily with children, we will hear the reaction, My God, what have I done? Whichever way they go, it sounds like an unforgettable experience. Our primary goal is to encourage the customer to come back. If she can handle the social abyss of dismantled conventional codes and meanings that we serve with every taco. Well, I'm worried that we might be out of time for this look at Salvador Dali's Taqueria of Dread. But my watch is stopped. Do you have a clock in here? Each of our clocks has been hung over the main oven for 24 hours. Then whatever shape they've assumed, and at whichever time they have stopped, we hang them around the taqueria. 
Behold! Why did I even ask? I'm going to thank the cast because I want to get in good with them for a change. Jody Stewart Strobel, Rowan Flynn, Tony Flynn, Kevin Decker, Sarah O'Hare, Nisha Shram, Maureen Hager, Ryan Weldon, Steve Lloyd, and Ann Porter. We'd also like to thank the writers, Kevin Decker and Tony Flynn. We'd like to thank The Bad Plus for our theme song. We'd also like to thank Gary Boyce, Vern Windham, Nancy Roth, Nisha Schramm, and the inventor of the first street-legal cardboard automobile, Brian Lindsay. <laughs>